listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We are the Elsers. Elsner's a production of Galactic Network. I'm Gregor Sprague, and joining me is Corey Scott. For all info on this show, including show notes, subscription links, you can go to elsners.com. And for all the Galactic Network programs, you can go to gncast.com. On Elsner's, we tend to shoot our mouths off without thinking, so we will both spoil things and we will swear liberally. Corey, how you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I'm a little confused because I was going over my Tinder profile and it seems like all the hot women are working at Fox News. Is that right? Is that what I'm picking up lately? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is, Bill O'Reilly. Thank you. <laughs> I'm no, sorry. I'm I, I, meant to say, I meant to say Philly good for Corey Scott is Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> I, I, I cannot do political impersonations. I, I bow... <laughs> Epically to uh, Justin Robert Young and his Rush Limbaugh doing raps on politics, 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 uh, which is one of the greatest uh, podcasts out there right now. And certainly the thing that has made me feel like it's not exactly a sanctuary, but it is the one political show that I can kind of handle at the moment. Um, And it's, it's just a goddamn fun show to listen to anyways. And this is slightly off topic, but I just started getting into Jerry's, all of jury's podcasts um like the his one man show stuff and his um i haven't gotten into hotline monday yet but you know it, it started with 1900 wrestling and then i'm like all right well, let's check out uh the, his jury one mic show and then politics 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 and there's no google uh feed for 1900 wrestling so i'm like uh, well okay i'll watch it on youtube then while i'm at work um they got i got youtube red and i can just sit there and go click okay i got, put the phone in my pocket still listen to the thing and off we go um but yeah so work was fun work is that's about all i do is work work podcasts read comic books buy an xbox with money that's, that i got from working that's a good life <laughs> yeah um but yeah, so let's get out of the news. And um, speaking of, you know, Good Life, one of my favorite characters in all of comic books, um, we're going to start off with some news for her. Um, Captain Marvel finds its directors, excuse me, in Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. Um, the execs met with the two numerous times and the pair impressed the studio time and time again. Um, you might know, um, know them from the 2006 movie, um, starring Ryan Gosling, Half Nelson, and Ryan Reynolds in Mississippi Grind. Um, they also which, which direct- I don't know either of those movies, and it's not like there's small name stars in those. Yeah. Although uh, 2015 Ryan Reynolds is very different from pre 2010 Ryan Reynolds and post 2016 Ryan Reynolds. Uh, that was he was acting all through that, but he was not doing 
like big giant hit movies at that point in time. Yeah. Uh, because he was not exactly blacklisted, but wasn't wasn't getting a lot of love for the roles that he had done before up until yeah, Deadpool. He, yeah, he was sort of in this like weird weird area thing. Um, but then they've also directed episodes of popular TV series um, over at Showtime with The Affair and Billions. Um, and then also it should be pointed out that Inside Out scribe Megan Lafave and Nicole Perlman, who wrote um, Guardians of the Galaxy and is currently co-writing or is currently writing the Gamora comic book for Marvel, um, are writing the script, which follows Carol Danvers, an Air Force pilot whose DNA is fused with that of an alien during an accident. The results altering her or alteration imbues her with the superpowers of strength, energy projection, and flight. Um, Brie Larson is the star. Kevin Feige is producing. We have another one that we have another news story coming up here in a second. But so, yeah, what do you think of the directors here? Uh, well, I mean, like I said, I don't have any real familiarity with their work. It's interesting that it's a team. This is the second team directors after the Russo brothers at Marvel and, and the Russo brothers at different dynamic uh, being that they're related. But if these if these two have an existing relationship uh, of working together and they know that they can make it uh, continue, then that's that's great. Also, it a lot of people really felt that we needed to have a woman directing this. And I, I don't disagree because part of what we want from these, these Marvel hero films as more and more of them happen is we want each of them to have their own distinct identities. Uh, you can see that in, in a lot of the movies that have happened so far. While some of them maybe feel a little familiar to each other anyways, like Ant-Man is akin to Iron Man in a lot of ways while still also being able to diversify itself by saying it's a heist movie. Uh, Doctor Strange is probably the most like Iron Man in a lot of ways, except it includes all of that Inception-style magic. But we, we want to have very distinct identities, and I think it's important in your first female-led Marvel superhero movie to have a female voice in the director's chair and uh, female voices as the writers. So in that regard, I, I think that that's, that's great. I think that's the right reason to choose them. It, certainly not the only reason to choose them. My, my one concern yeah. is always, uh, okay, we've got the star who we've had for several months now. We've got the directors. We are writing the script. That always bugs me is that we, we put the story after everything else. I, and I know that a lot of times a director comes in and they send for rewrites of the script anyway. So it may be that there was a, a primary script already in place. And now they're like, okay, now we're going to clean it up or we're going to put this other team and have our, our spin on it because we like these people and we want to work with these people. But I'm just always kind of concerned when the story comes after and it's like, well, we just know that we want to make a movie with this person playing this hero and, and go from there. That. That's weird to me, but I, I guess I just don't understand how Hollywood works in that way. And I want to say that um, the writing team had already been on there, had already been attached. We already had Nicole Perlman and um, and Megan Lafave attached to write. It was just it wasn't as announced because a lot of people, and there are exceptions out there, um, a lot of people don't think of the of the writers as the people who drive the movies. It's usually the directors. Um, 
Yeah, and it may like, be that when it says they're currently writing the script, it may be they're currently rewriting it to the tune of yeah. what the directors want to do. And and that's that's fine. And and like I said, it, Marvel hasn't done to me yet any real wrong. They've had movies that have been spectacular and they've had movies that have been good um, and, and everything in between that. But I have not seen from them so far a bad movie. I haven't seen a movie that I personally haven't enjoyed. I know that there's there's certainly opinions out there that differ from mine on things like uh, Age of Ultron or or even Civil War, some of the other ones. But I've enjoyed all of them quite a bit. So I, I'm not trying to nitpick this, uh, especially without seeing anything of it so far. It's it's way early. Uh, I, I think that in Marvel's case, they also know that if something doesn't feel like it's going to go right, they're going to put a, a break on it as opposed to continuing forward with it until they do get it right uh, because they've got too much vested in this to do it. And, and Fahey really is a guy who, who understands how to make these movies hits at this point. He's, he's been spearheading this all along. So I have to have faith in him if nothing else. But uh, Brie Larson is, is one of those actresses that, just in the last few years, like I've liked her and everything I've seen her in. I certainly enjoyed the fact that she was chosen for this role. So I, I can't see anything with this. That doesn't make me excited for the film uh, more than my piddly ass little concerns. Um, Quick question for you. Have you seen the movie? It's kind of a funny story. No, the Zach Galifianakis, um, Emma Roberts movie. No. Okay. One, I highly recommend it. Two, um, at least Anna Bowden directed the movie. Um, because that's the first, like, I was, I'm on her IMDb page, and that's one of the first things that stuck out to me was because I had seen this movie. It is a charming little. Anna Bowden and Ryan movie. Fleck directed it. So, and, and Evan, yeah. producer Evan, uh, uh Evan uh, Hurricane Rocky also gives his thumbs up to the film. I love that nickname. <laughs> um, but no, so this because I like again like going with that movie, um, and hearing that you know they've they've done some other things they've shown this range, um, I'm I'm excited for that. The other part is that. Uh, Captain Marvel is scheduled to begin filming um, in February of 2018. And this is uh, Kevin Feige had a quote of assuming everything stays on schedule. We start filming um, Captain Marvel in February and it will hit theaters um, on March 8th, 2019. And uh, Beatmaster threw in a quote here from uh, Brie Larson and you know who had this is all the stuff she had to say in anticipation for playing the character um and this she, is said, she said i'll take this yeah. she said aside from the fact that it's iconic to be part of this to be playing the first female lead in a solo marvel movie i think for me personally one of the things i'm excited about is the idea of female complexity that's what i've wanted to bring to every genre and every film that i've done how can we come to understand the mystique of being female and I think with Free Fire, for example, what excites me is to say it's not so easy as just saying, oh, that's a girl in an action movie. That's a superhero and she's tough and she's like a dude. That's too easy. Uh, that's not where we're at, actually. I think women are far more, far more complicated and more interesting than just saying 
they're like a dude and that's what makes them tough and that what's that's what makes them cool uh that's just not how it works so to me it's this idea of doing this film on this larger scale with really incredible smart people behind it with women behind it that gives you an hour and a half two hours to sit and see how different a woman can be that seems cool to me right and i completely agree and and yes. that that's absolutely it is there there have been uh the movie salt i believe is one of those movies angelina was Angelina Jolie was the lead in that, but the movie was written with a male lead in in mind. And she came in later on, and they didn't really change it so much for her, but obviously she brings a different gravitas to it. She brings a very different um, point of view just in the fact that she is a woman, but that's not how you write female characters. Uh, that's not how you direct a female-driven story. So... I, I agree. It's not like we're going to get female Tony Stark. Uh, and it's not like we're going to get female Captain America. While we absolutely could, one of the things that stands out is the way that the characters interact with each other in the Avengers movie so far is that when you get uh, Black Widow or when you get a Scarlet Witch, uh, when you get an Agent Carter and all these things, you see the stories that can be told only with female characters and and why that's not only important, but but more enjoyable because it it's a whole different perspective. I, I liken it to what they're doing with Black Panther. Black Panther, they're making movie and they're having black creators involved. They're having huge casts of African-American actors and actresses involved in it. And it changes the entire tone of what we've come to expect from the Marvel movies while still being true to the Marvel films and, and certainly being true to the character from the comics. It brings something different to the table, and that's far more exciting than seeing just a a continuous, just dead weight of the same thing over and over again. Now, there, there's, again, there's something comforting of being able to go to a Marvel movie and knowing what you're going to get to at least a certain degree of the tone. Uh, the fact that uh, Fahey said that he's not interested in doing any R-rated Marvel films, uh, that that's not their plan ever going forward. I get that, but having them be degrees separate from each other in in character beliefs, character tone, uh, places that they're at, stories, all that stuff, that is, to me, why they continue to be so successful. Uh, because if you're even if you're just a person like my wife is excited to see the sequel to Guardians of the Galaxy, and I was kind of like trepidatious. I, I know that I took her to see the first one, but she really loved it. And I think she even bought me the DVD because of it. Um, but I wasn't sure if she was going to be interested to go see the second one. But she saw the trailer the other day and she's like, yeah, I can't wait to go see that with you. I'm like, that's great. That makes me really happy. But she's not interested in any of the other Marvel movies. You know, I think yeah. I might be able to get her to watch Ant-Man uh, just because Paul Rudd is is funny and, and we've enjoyed him a lot of the stuff. I mean, fucking he was in Clueless, man. Uh, that that's props right there is I get to say, well, you know, the guy from Clueless, you know, and she'll go, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but she knows who Paul Rudd is. Uh, this is 40 is another one of those things that we really like. So the fact that she's not a Marvel diehard or even interested in watching Cap and Thor and all this other stuff, although Thor 3, I'm going to push on that one a little bit, too, because it looks like it might be upper alley. Um, she still has these certain movies in there that work for her. And that's that's exactly it, is that you can be a diehard Marvel fan and just eat up every fucking thing that they do. 
Um, or you can be the person who's just like, no, I just kind of dig this shit that James Gunn is doing. Or I just dig the shit like, well, there's there's this woman now. And why haven't I seen a woman superhero in a lead before? You know, and, and all these things, you can come at from a lot of different directions. And if there's enough there to pull you into the rest of the universe, then maybe, you know, it's an open door for you at that point. But you're not forced into it. It doesn't all have to, until fucking Avengers 3 and 4, uh, it doesn't all have to intersect. But it, it is kind of cool that, you know, there's there's something there for everybody. And that, as a company uh, of Disney, uh, Marvel hasn't been as successful with that over time. And we've seen that they, they recently said that maybe diversity didn't work for them too well. Um, but I, I admire them for trying. But in the films, it seems like that's working out better. We'll see. We'll have to see. Because Black Panther is going to be a very different Marvel film. Yeah. Um. To such a degree that maybe, sadly, maybe some white people aren't going to want to see it. Uh, I don't know, but that is a possibility, and I'm sure that they're aware that that could be a possibility. And having a woman lead in a film directed by by a woman and written by two women, that might be another thing where some dudes are just like, "No, man, I'm I'm abrasive. I I ain't gonna go see some chick banging around. You know, where's where's fucking Captain America?" Uh, where, where's Big Hammer Penis Thor? You know, that's what I want. You know, that that's a possibility, too. I, I don't know if that's necessarily even remotely what's going to happen. But there are people in place that are probably like, yeah, that that could be the case. So, again, it's it's slightly brave, not hugely brave, but it's slightly brave that Marvel is doing these movies at all. Um, but they've also seen where it can really succeed for them between Jessica Jones and Luke Cage on the Netflix series. Uh, yeah. Both of those shows were better received, I think, than even Daredevil was. And and I think that Luke Cage's second half of its season, not as good. Um, but Jessica Jones was great throughout. And I like Daredevil a lot, too. Um, when we got back to standard white boy is where things kind of fell apart for me in the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic uh, TV universe. But uh, aside from that, there's there's such a great amount of things that we still haven't done yet. The young Spider-Man is a new twist as well, but it's still fucking Spider-Man. I'm waiting for Runaways, maybe. I'm I'm waiting for the Romeo and Juliet of Cloak and Dagger. I would really yep. like a Power Pack show. Uh, we'll, we'll see how those things go. But when you have 60, 70, 80 years of characters to draw from, yes, it's harder to to not focus on all the the, the white guys that were in the leads for so many years because that's just how it was in storytelling and comics and tv and movies and stuff in general but we have built up a wealth of characters that should be rising in the top as well at this point and and i'm i'm excited to see this happen no definitely um i want to point out something that beat said of probably what a lot of people are going to wonder and it's it is he's wondering what happened to Captain Marvel, or that Captain Marvel got there first before Black Widow. Um, talking about a solo film, you know, with basically Marvel's banking the fact that she's the first female lead in a in a superhero movie for Marvel. When here we've had Black Widow since Iron Man two, yeah, um, and all that, and he he puts out a couple of things of here like was it scheduling asking for too much. Or Feige uh, generally believe or generally thinking there's more to her, and he's hoping for the latter. 
I think it's that one. I think honestly, because you've we've had like with what you said with all these various different types of movies where we've already had the the spy thriller um you know the political espionage type movies which a lot hinged on black widow's involvement in yes but it was involvement not starring her and so to do her uh, to have her be a lead in that might seem like oh well this is just like winter soldier but without any of the fellas and stuff like that but to go with captain marvel um it is this big difference because i mean she is such a different character than what than what they've had yeah I mean, at, uh, for a number of reasons not the least of which is that when when you have Black Widow, when you watch the first Avengers movie, you see the disparity between Thor, Iron Man, even Cap to a certain degree, and the Hulk, certainly. Those four, and then you have Hawkeye and Black Widow. Um yeah. with you know, arrows and bullets, which it's hard to now I think Joss did a very good job of balancing those things out. I don't think he overpowered too many of the characters. He actually kind of toned them down, I think, to have them be reasonably working as a team. Yeah. And it 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 makes as much sense as Batman hanging out with the likes of Superman, Wonder Woman, even Aquaman and Green Lantern. Um but when you have Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel is as powerful if not more powerful than almost any of the other Avengers. Yep. You know, she she certainly can stand up at a level of of Tony Stark in his armor, and she may even be able to hold her own against a Thor or a Hulk, at least to to some degree. And it depends on how they balance it in the films. She is a powered character, which is a different kind of movie, which is sometimes an easier sell than non powered characters. Again, Cap was already powered, but in a very human way. He's just the peak levels of of humanity. Uh, that's what the super soldier gave him. Uh, when you team him up with other characters like that, be it Black Widow, uh, Falcon, and and essentially Bucky, the Winter Soldier, that that's a level that all of them hit together. So because Cap's movie already kind of made sense, and because they did involve Black Widow with that, I can see why they they didn't do a Black Widow movie. And I don't want to say that it hinges on having two people together, but it would have been one of those things that the perfect thing to do would have been a Black Widow Hawkeye movie because yeah. we saw them when they came in as a duo. But they've kind of broken that apart in the movies as they've gone along. So, and also, honestly, Black Widow has never really been able to sustain her own comic for very long. And that's, yeah. that's one of those, up until the way uh, Samney, I think, is the artist on it. Yep, Chris, oh, Chris Ebony's doing the story, too. Yeah, it, up until that, I haven't seen a lot of Black Widow stuff that's had a great deal of success. I remember Greg Land did the artwork for a series where there were two Black Widows. There was the the evil one from Russia, and Natasha had basically her identity stolen away, and so there were two of them running around for a while. But even that I don't remember a lot of, and that was when they were just doubling everything to shit. Oh, wait, that's what Marvel still does. Um, Captain Marvel is something that is different and they've been building carol to this for a number of years taking her out of the secondary character to the marvel character 
uh, where she was essentially was she was Miss Marvel for a long time. But then she became binary. Uh, she went through a lot of different phases to finally take over the role of Captain Marvel. And they said, you know, you should be at a power level and at a at a hero level of these other characters. Why aren't you? Um, they said that in the context of a story. And and while I think that they've done good things for her character and some really bad things, Civil War II, for her character, it's it's a different premise and it brings a lot of the space stuff into place which yeah. i think is also very interesting in a different respect than what they've been doing with both thor and guardians because i think it's going to be local space as opposed to far away space yeah exactly um our next story is a lock and key pilot is coming to us from carlton curse and it is coming to hulu so for and you we should point out you talked about this on the latest episode of pots um and yeah uh we we had uh ben granoff on there god i hope I, that's his last name um yesterday and he was one an excellent guest and two he was a little more up on the details of lock and key than i was and matt uh will attest to you that he does not read ever anything at all. Um, so he was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm a but, drummer, so I don't read. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, that was... <laughs> and it's Carlton cues, by the way. So you can't make jokes about people not reading either. Uh, still, I'm dyslexic, it... man. <laughs> I, I love you on it. trial and error. Um, so lock and key we'll 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 get to the the grit of it is a comic book from idw uh written by joe hill who uh you may or may not know is the son of stephen king and it was a comic series they did six volumes of it pretty much presented as mini series but they all tied into one thing and it's a group of kids whose father is basically killed and they all go and live in this manor. And in the manor, they find these magical keys that open different doorways. And they walk in the doorways, they get different powers. Um, and it's not like powers like they become superheroes so much. The powers are a little bit more um, supernatural based and a little bit more like sometimes even uh, a bit of a curse uh, or a cuse, if you want. Um in in the things that they do and it's it's dark it's horrific but uh, as i mentioned in, in the other show the the artist for it presents the characters in such a way that it looks slightly innocent the kids look kid like um and and there's a there's a beauty to the work but it's it's kind of like the hannibal tv series where it's really beautiful to look at but if you pay attention it's actually also kind of disgusting um but yeah, have you read the comic at all? I haven't. Um, it's mainly one of those things like I don't have time to read the uh, or all, like a lot of these comics from the past when I'm reading thirty to forty issues a week of what's currently going. Yeah, and, um, it, and it's, it's kind of like I, I get I get angry at you because there's such good stuff out there from before, and I understand. I understand. <laughs> And it's like, you fucking kids with your TV today and your Pac-Man and your goddamn, you know, Dig Dug and shit. I I just, 
screaming at clouds. Hey, Dig Dug was awesome. Don't you dare fuck with Dig Dug. Oh, I don't fuck around um, with Dig Dug. No, I played the shit out of Dig Dug. It, yeah. went, it wasn't no marble madness, I'll tell you that now. <laughs> uh, but we should point out that the script is set to be an hour-long pilot. Cues, um, sorry for butchering your name there, uh, did Lost, Bates Motel, The Strain, and Jack Ryan. He will executive produce, essentially be the showrunner alongside um scott dickerson or, or sorry derrickson mother fuck i i read that too i swear it's just my brain's <laughs> short circuiting um who directed dr strange and uh lindsey springer um scott derrickson will write or will direct the pilot and i think might do more if it gets picked up for a series um yeah and that's that's the other thing too is that this this show has come about and has been attempted a couple of times and uh, for whatever reason did not get picked up before. So Hulu has ordered an actual pilot for it, um, which is great. And and it's just like people are just waiting to see if this is going to actually happen. And, and I would like to see it happen. It's certainly one of those things where by this point in time, they keep trying, which is good. Yeah. And Hulu's so hungry for content. You know, they they really need to get their originals game up. But they're uh, they're they're doing it smartly. They're taking these chances on shows that if they're going to flop, they're going to flop hard. But if they're going to succeed, they're going to get them awards. I mean, I look at shows like The Path, which I don't watch, but you know, is a highly acclaimed show um and like 11 63 which had had hype behind it but then fell or you know whatever I've, I've heard you know mixed reviews on it now and it seems like you know everything that they're doing they're trying and but they're trying to for quality not quantity which you could almost say um is what netflix is doing on their end you know their netflix is almost just doing like oh we got shows like hemlock grove and it gets us very little numbers but whatever because those are numbers or you know we're going to bring be the u.s distributor for a kid's uh canadian tv drama is it successful? well i mean netflix at this point has has so many shows that it's it's impossible to to keep up with what's there and and it, it you can't even know what it is that's coming out. There's just like I, I pop on Netflix a week after the last time looking at it, and it just seems like the Netflix originals just stretches further and further every time I, I log in. And yep. and that's that's good because it's the same thing. You want variety, you want to have a lot of choices because that's gonna cause people to even if they don't necessarily like all those shows, they're gonna just know, well, it's it's like the weather in Michigan. In in a couple minutes it's gonna change. Um, there's going to be something new here. There's going to be something else that's going to maybe grab my attention. You never know when the next hot thing's going to be there. Oh, and on top of that, it's it's also that you know the things that you do like are going to have another season very quickly. Yeah. And and we've talked about this way back when, which is you don't have to subscribe to Netflix continuously. You can drop out for a couple of months and then come back later and it's not like those Netflix originals are going to go away. The only stuff that goes away is the stuff that they don't own and that might wind up on a different station or subscription service anyway, so it it yep. 
might be even good to bounce around. But for the the eight to ten dollars a month that it costs for Netflix now, I don't even know the bill just happens. Um, ten dollars for regular uh, twelve for four K. Yeah, it, it's like I, I don't even think about it. You know, that's that's when I don't even think about it. I'm I'm kicking myself so hard to like, should I try Hulu? Should I try Amazon Prime? And uh, no, I'm not really sure it's worth it yet. And, and that's because in both those cases, I find the experience to be a little lackluster. And it bums me out a little bit that Amazon Prime pitches itself as like, oh, yeah, you can stream all this stuff, except for all these other things that you would think would be on there, but aren't. But you can just pay us for, you know, that that always sits wrong with me and the who thing it was always the commercials and and the poor placement and shit they probably work past that now i don't know but i yeah this this is the thing that i'm i'm almost positive would get me to say yeah fuck it we're, we're gonna do hulu for at least a month to watch this yeah and i mean so to get to piggyback off of your hulu thing um i i look at amazon prime as okay yes i have the service but what does it for me is the fact that I the only uh, premium cable channel that I have because it's included in my cable package is Stars um, and Stars Encore, which thank God they changed it from Encore to just Stars Encore since it's the same thing. Um, but then there's you know these shows that I want to watch that come out on other areas, and. Amazon Prime gives me the easiest way to where I could just go into one place and get all these different things. Yeah, your like subscriptions to the other things. Yeah. It's the easiest one, except for the cable company that would love to just have your extra 10 bucks for your HBO subscription a month. Um, but instead, you're going to someplace else, which I don't really know what to make of that. It, that that seems a little funny to me. I don't pay for my cable bill. Because I don't, you don't pay, pay for your cable. So if you just slipped your mom an extra 20 and said, hey, mom, uh, HBO this month, you know, <laughs> make it happen. Buy yourself something nice. You know, it just it, <laughs> I just I don't I don't really understand that. I mean, that's the whole point of cable to me is the convenience. And I, yeah. I'm a sucker. I need cable TV. I need live TV. I need something where I turn it on and I don't have to think at all. And that moment of I walk in the door and I just want some fucking noise on the background. I don't want to have to sit there and scan through different apps. I don't want to have to scan through 40 different fucking programs for my potential playlist of like, oh, what am I going to put? Because then it's going to be pissed off that I'm not paying attention to it. You know, fucking Netflix is appointment watching for me. But the TV can just be the TV. And that's how it's been my entire life. And so I am not likely to give that up anytime soon. Cold dead hands is what you'll pry it from. My cold, dead fucking hands are going to be tangled around that fucking remote that I can at least talk to now because I can't press the button anymore because all my nails have grown into each other uh, in the claw, in the claw face. Um, But it's just like the only thing that I can say for what you do is that, again, you can say I want to watch HBO for this month because I know Game of Thrones just finished up and I can watch all the Game of Thrones episodes in a row and catch whatever else is on there and be done with it. Whereas cable, it's not as easy to grab and, and dump. You yeah. can, but you can fucking deal with a Comcast person. And we know that that's just like literally liquid death being shoved inside your pee hole. No, you're exactly right. Because that's what I did with Comic-Con HQ. I had done the beta thing, loved it, loved some of the programming, and then came back 
once I'm like, you know, I really want to watch Con Man season two and watch Con Man season two, watched Mark Hamill's pop culture quest, all within the seven day free trial that I got through Amazon Prime. At which point I'm like, I looked and I'm like, is there anything else that's, that really interests me here? No, I have full, because I have AT&T, I have full screen. I just did a survey for them at, or for, for this at work. And I started watching um, Electric Woman and Dino Girl on there back in January. I haven't finished it because it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't, I have to go to someplace else. And right now with WWE Network, um, Netflix, Amazon Prime, and then Comcast, that's like four different, four places that I have to go right there alone. And, you know, there are subsets in there, you know, the Amazon Prime, okay, it has, right now it has HBO um, for Silicon Valley, probably through to ballers, depending on how the schedule goes. And then I'll, I might drop that if there's this lull of stuff that I'm like, you know, nothing interests me um, and pick up, I might pick up the, you know, like a, their anime strike or something like that and just flip-flop it like there where, like you said, it would be like... Hey, mom, I got to call Comcast real quick. Hey, can you t- take off the HBO? Well, why do you want to get rid of HBO? Because I Game of Thrones is over. Just take it off, you motherfuckers. Yeah, at and, the same time, though, you might get that person at Comcast is like, well, how about we just give you HBO for free for three months? And you go, uh, fuck yeah, keep sucking my dick. I don't know. Uh, sure. <laughs> it's like, but that, that, that's exactly it. Because they, 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 they will sit there and negotiate things with you. Now, yeah. there's the bullshit end of it, which is as soon as you hit your 12 months, uh, fuck you. Hey, cable bills tripled. Um, yeah. But if you if you play the game, if you if you're on top of it and you play the game, you can kind of win out sometimes. It it that's that's a thing. That's the haggle prospect versus the I just get to control the shit by saying here's my card. Okay, now I'm taking my card back. Don't fucking touch it. I will kill yep. you. I will kill you dead. I will pack you in an Amazon shipping package and we'll wait for the fucking drone to come pick your ass up and take you across the fucking Panama. <laughs> um, as that may be, I have discovered with the the X1 box and then I replaced the other boxes with the new little mini X1 boxes that actually do the DVR stuff and get yeah. the apps. The Netflix app through X1 is far more convenient for us, um, because we don't have to flip over to another input to get to our Netflix. We don't have to do any stupid bullshit that's like the built-in app on the TV, which almost never works. But also because our, our Wi-Fi can be a little spotty sometimes, and you're watching something and streaming, and all of a sudden you get that little bit of buffer, and that uh-huh. pisses me the fuck off, and I want to kill somebody, and Amazon box drone, Panama. Um, you don't have that with with Netflix on the Comcast. The other thing is I don't believe that watching Netflix through the Comcast app count towards any kind of um, data caps. So if you are a sort of person who worries about data caps or reaching your data cap, if your Netflix is through your Comcast box, you don't. Now, I would dump both of these pieces of shit immediately if Sonic, um, which is in my area managed to get their one gigabit fiber to my house, which is a very real possibility because Sonic is to me a much more approachable company in more realistically what I want and fucking one gigabit download speeds. Uh, At the same time, I've heard 
Comcast is moving up to two gigabit download speeds. Yep. I don't know that I would ever need that until I have it in front of me, and then I will stab people who come over to my house to try to get up my Wi-Fi because I've got two gigabit download speeds, and I'm going to be fucking advertising that from the fucking hills. There will be smoke <laughs> signals. So, real quick, I'm gonna. This will be the last part I'll make about this uh, because we are we are off topic. But but the whole switching things, um, all you gotta do is get want yourself one of these. And for audio listeners, I'm holding up my Xbox One controller, um, because as you can see on the TV behind me, there's all the different. I can't see what the fuck I'm looking at right now, but there's all the different apps you put on your xbox you you put on the netflix you put on the hulu the but that that doesn't solve the problem with my wi-fi now this is something that i've complained about before not complained but recommended to the ether which is uh comcast all of your cable boxes should be wi-fi repeaters for the cable modem which already has wi-fi built in that way every room in your house that has a cable box which you would love if we were fucking running your cable boxes for every room would then give us better wi-fi throughout the house too uh, if you just turn my house into one big comcast mesh network and then i would never think about anything except for the cancer in my nuts that you've caused me i think that would be brilliant but in in the here and now i could also hire someone to crawl under my house and just run a cable i'm i'm not smart uh, or i'm cheap Let, let's go cheap except for how much i pay for my cable bill in the here and now there are several things that are like that. My Roku is great for all the apps and stuff on there. Um, my my friends had the the Wii U, and they were using that almost exclusively because there was Dick Golfer Games. Uh, they were using that for a lot of the streaming services and stuff, and, th- and they loved it because it just changed things for them. It was so many light years ahead of the Apple TV, uh, which I think still hasn't caught up to any of these other boxes at this point. No. I, I totally get that, but it still doesn't solve... The live TV thing for me, and I know that there's a lot of services that do the new YouTube TV, the the all these other ones, uh, Sling TV and stuff. I'm just, I get so much from my Comcast, and I am a creature of habit that at this point in time, I'm not ready to go there yet. But I can see where we're going. Yeah, but it's also it's, not just me. I have to please my wife because yeah. she's the one who can stand over me with a bucket of water in the middle of the night and says, "I can't find my fucking horror movies." All right, yeah, babe, I I understand it. Please put down the cat, and and leave the room, and I'll figure some. I'll call Comcast in the fucking morning, um, so I I know that it it doesn't matter what I want. Yeah, and and also I will say you know like, I now with with this Xbox One, not a sponsor, um, I have everything in. I only use two HDMI ports right now. I have the Xbox, and I have the cable box plugged into that, and then I have the Chromecast. Why? Oh, because I do. <laughs> um, but I've got everything through the comp through the Xbox. I turn on my Xbox in the morning. I turn on the TV, right to right to the cable. Yeah, I mean that was the sexy thing about the Xbox to me because I had the the yeah. Google, uh, the Google TV that was out yeah. for a while. Um, the the Logitech review was it god damn it's been a long yeah. time um and the fact that it had the throughput made so much more sense to me than what anybody else has done but i also know that eventually as that thing hit its hardware limits and started to have problems that throughput thing stopped working well and yeah. and it bummed me out it was like one more thing in the way of me watching my tv as opposed to you know like 
it's supposed to give me all this extra stuff. No, it just became an extra pain in my ass. Yeah. So, Corey, I got a question for you. Yes. In yes. in the world of eight modern inches, in the world of modern cinema, there has been one person in nerd culture who has transcended uh, movie companies to appear in all of his properties. That man being Stan Lee, of course. Oh, I thought you were going to um, say Hitler. I'm sorry, I'm still thinking about the Fox News conversation we're having earlier. <laughs> yeah. Um, if I was smart, I would know the uh, the he- former head of Fox News. Be like, yeah, oh, you mean this dude? Roger Ailes? Yeah, Roger Ailes, that's it. <laughs> um, but Stan Lee is, do- is set to make a cameo in next week's episode of Fresh Off the Boat, the first episode, or it'll air on May 2nd, and the show, the episode is titled Pie Versus Cake, and he it sounds like he's doing a cameo for the B storyline. By the way, the, and, the answer is always pie cake. Yes. Um, the answer is always I'm fat. The answer is obvious. Both. Yeah, pie cake. Duh. <laughs> Um. So this like this whole next week is as beat is putting is just going to be noise because you started us off on Tuesday with that with fresh off the boat with a little bit of Stanley, um, where he is judging a comic book contest. You then go to Thursday night Friday with the premiere of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. You then go to Saturday with Free Comic Book Day. And thank God I can actually go to Free Comic Book Day because the, the, he's opening the shop at 10 and I don't go to go work until 11. Oh, hells yes. I, I've, I've already got my free comic books picked out because in this story is one of them. It is a fresh off the boat comic book from Boom Studios written by Gene Luen Yang and Jorge Corona. Holy shit. This is just sounds really great. Yeah, the cover Maybe I'm looks really cute because they've... They've done superhero versions of all the characters, and they're 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 kind of cool looking. It, it Boom has been knocking out of the park with a lot of their original stuff, but Boom also has done a lot of licensed properties, and they do right by their licensed properties. If you go back to when they were yes. doing the Disney stuff before Marvel fucked up and and took them back, and then couldn't do shit with Darkwing Duck, like it's fucking Darkwing Duck. You can make that shit easy, but you don't because you're a bitch. Fuck you. Um, but Boom does really cool stuff this is just like it looks really neat and it it makes sense i like it's the legion of dopitude featuring lazy boy (laughs) costume designs work it i just i really think that it's it's a great little job they're doing it is interesting to have this one shot based off of this show coming out for free comic book day because i don't know how much of a of a usually a free comic book day is about getting people to try stuff out so they'll come back the next week and buy comics from the shop um, you know, when they don't normally. And I don't know what this is selling for the continuing subscriber. I assume it'll have some cameos or pages from other Boom Comics, but still, it's fun. It's one of those things that if you're a fan of the show and you've never even thought about Free Comic Book Day, this might drive you to it. Yeah, um, we've talked about Free Comic Book Day in years past, and this is the first time where I'm like, okay, I really want, and especially to be there, I'm going to be there when it opens, uh, Tim is opening the shop to where and 
I, I'm slowly and slowly spending more and more money on comic books as I get as I get more hours in this and raises and stuff like that. <laughs> because this last week, I think I spent would have spent thirty dollars, but he gave me a discount where I only spent twenty eight or something nice. like that. Yeah, um, which included Secret Wars number zero and um, and uh, Batman twenty one, which is the start of the button. And holy crap! Good God, I hi- dude. I'm telling you, these this four these four issues, uh, Batman twenty one, I believe it's Flash twenty one, and then Batman twenty two, Flash twenty two, um, pick them up. It is so the first issue alone is so good. Read really quick in like three minutes because it's a lot of action. Well, and, according to my wife, I'm unable to find the button no matter how much time I spend on it. So I don't really know <laughs> that that's going to work for me. Uh, it certainly doesn't work for her. But no, I mean. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep derailing things. Pause to collect myself. <laughs> um, That's why I have the stock. Uh, no. <laughs> but I mean, Sorry, I'm honest. Buddy. I'm honestly excited for. God damn it! I realize, I'm like public school education. Given, I'm like, there's one there too. Yep. But. I mean, like I said, this with the, this whole week for next week. I mean, it is really cool to see. You know, st- you, you're going to see Stanley playing himself in there, and the and then you know for Free Comic Day alone, which I mean we've we've talked about Free Comic Day in years past, um, with you know giving previews of what's coming out, on what you could possibly get from your comic book from your comic book stores, and that's actually getting me to think. Okay how do i do my oh shit sorry i just had a real i had a realization that i'll be getting a little bit of money from my commission check that week too which i get on thursday oh sorry done (laughs) um hopefully it's pretty good but the the cool part with this is it's it's the like normally you get your comic books on wednesday some people might hold it off and get and then they'll get their comic books on saturday and then also pick up a few extras and all that i look at this as like honestly a discovery thing like because i seen it last year mainly because i got there late and the ones that i wanted were already gone but i looked and i'm like wait they made a spectrum comic book and picked that up and enjoyed that and wasn't able to find any more of it but it's it's a cool thing with for discovery um i i think the goal is to get to get people who are uh, fans of fresh off the boat to go to their local comic book stores to get this issue and then to see all these other comic books that they might like yeah and here well, we go. Well, just the fact that they're they're having Stan Lee on the show and they're doing a comic crossover means that the the people who do the show are probably comic book fans themselves, yeah. and that's that's essentially why they're doing it. We should mention uh, if you are interested in free comic book day, one a couple of things. Uh, yes, there are free comic books. There are absolutely free comic books. Not all comic books are free there, though. There are other things that you can and should buy. Uh, if you see stuff or you get a free comic book and really like it, uh, call the store back and say, hey, I want to keep collecting this. Can you put me on a pull list? And, yep. and potentially they could get you those issues of of a series that you discover that day. Now, sometimes ordering makes it a little tough for that because you have to pre-order a couple of months ahead of time. 
but it's always worth seeing. If you don't know if you have a local comic book shop, you can call 1-888-COMIC-BOOK or you can go to comicshoplocator.com and it will help you find the comic shops that are local to you. And if nothing else works, you can always go to Comixology. The app, I believe, often has the free comic books available for download on free comic book day. Yes. Yeah, it's usually a little bit later, but it will have most, if not all of them. Um, and also, be cut that out so I can use that for the end of the pull list. <laughs> but it, the other cool part with Free cut Comic Book Day. Out. Yeah. Thank you, Uncle Joey. Um, the other part with Free Comic Book Day is the fact that a lot of comic book stores will have um, artists and writers come in. You know, a lot of the, the comic book writers and artists, you know, that we read every week um, will go to their local comic book stores, do like a meet and greet, stuff like that, you know, just be there with their fans as they're hopefully buying their their comic books and supporting their friends in this in the comic book industry here. And yeah, I mean, everything Corey just said with the whole, you know, 1 800 comic book. Uh, comic book your comic book locator dot eighty eight comic book yeah eighty eight comic book sorry um don't go to eight hundred that's a porn one <laughs> um but yeah so or or it's one eight hundred cards for kids and you're gonna have that goddamn jingle stuck in your head for the next six months <laughs> I don't know the jingle I do not want to know the jingle I already <laughs> had a jingle in my head earlier um <laughs> but that is gonna do it here for the news and we will be right back was it jingling my wife trying to find the button. If you like what you've heard on this Galactic Network podcast, please consider helping us out financially by going to gncast.com support. On that page, you'll find links to our Patreon campaign where you can make a small recurring monthly pledge of as little as $1. Or click on our Amazon affiliate link, make a purchase, and we get a very small percentage from the sale. Again, go to gncast.com support. And thank you for supporting the Galactic Network podcast. And we are back, and it is time for the Else Views. This is the section of the show where we will talk about movies, TV shows, um, TV shows, TV shows. Maybe mention up the games. Hey, um, I'm nerding out over my Xbox Live, which just or my Xbox, which just shut off, and um, I got games for it for free. That's what I love about the thing right now. But that's my quick pick. But um, but yeah, mainly we, me and Corey, we came, we brought you brought you guys two TV shows here. Um. Corey, you want to go first? Because I think yours is probably going to be a little bit shorter than mine since I think you've only seen the premiere. The premiere, yes, of the third season of Fargo. And I cannot tell you enough how much I love Fargo. Now, damn it. Damn it, damn it, damn it. The show I was most excited about for this year was Legion. And I'm still only two episodes into Legion because my life just got fucked up. Oh. Um but it's from the same creators who did Legion. So if you enjoy Legion, Fargo is not a X-Men-ish superhero style show, although neither was that really. Um, not going to have the same mindfuckery to that degree. But if you watch the second season at all, you know that there's still quite a bit of it. Um, and the third season starts out kind of in a similar vein. My wife commented when we watched it, she said it felt slower it didn't grab her in the way that the other two did when they started but i think that's actually that's hindsight talking i don't remember either of the first episodes from the first season or even the second season being like oh this is mind-blowing but yeah. it's a slow build it's it's a not even a slow build when stuff starts happening 
it starts snowballing really fast. But this obviously, you know, we're one episode in, we're sort of getting the basis for things. It starts out with a scene that happens in East Berlin in the 80s. And I'm not sure exactly what that scene does to connect to the rest of the show at this point, because the rest of the show uh, is taking place in 2010. Uh, it involves uh, Ewan McGregor is playing two twins, one of whom is pretty wealthy, and the other one seems to have a harder, uh, lower class life. And the the financially struggling one feels that he was ripped off by his brother when his father passed away. They had both gotten things that were left to them, and they traded. And it turns out what he gave away was worth a fortune, uh, a massive fortune. So he is trying to get money from his his richer brother to help him out. He wants to get married uh, to a character named Nikki, who is played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who is awesome in pretty much everything I've seen her in. Uh, we talked about her recently. Oh, we talked about her on Pot when we did 10 Clover Hill Lane. Um, so he goes to his brother for money. His brother basically refuses to give him money for the ring and he in turn hires somebody to steal it from his brother the person goes to steal it is a little too high a little not smart and fucks things up real real bad uh we meet the local uh sheriff slash deputy uh who's who's um police uh sanctioned police area it she was the head of but now they're all kind of combining into one bigger thing to cover more of the area together so she's kind of lost her leadership in that position and as we see going forward she's going to have to deal with the fact that while she thinks something deeper is going on with what happened um she's not getting support from her new boss and he treats her like a a shit starter that is similar to themes that happened in the first season of the show and and even to a certain degree the second season it seems like the cops always have to struggle against the people that they work for to a certain degree we also meet um the the richer brother and his business partner have struggled because they were dealing with the real estate fallout in the 2000 teens that happened uh boy i can relate and so they borrowed money from a not very reputable stores and they tried to pay back the loan and they are told no, it is not a loan. It is an investment in your business. You now work for us. That character is played by David Thewlis, who was from the Harry Potter movies. Uh, he played the the inspect the the teacher uh, Lupin. Uh, he's really good in this. Everybody's really good in this. I cannot say enough things about the cast that is chosen, the atmosphere, the music. Because as soon as they start playing the the opening credits for the the show, they start playing Heart, um, it, which is just fucking ideal. And my wife looked at me, she goes, well, they're using Heart, so I think I'm in love with it. Um, <laughs> and then they do this song later on, which is a throat singing monk tune that my wife and I got in this deep conversation uh, in the last couple of minutes of the show. Like, what is throat singing? Like, where does this come from? And I'm like, okay, well, I'll... I'll get you some videos and stuff to watch it. So that's the other thing about this is we did this with the second season too, where you wind up watching the thing and you just want to collect all the music from it. It makes a great Spotify playlist. If you're, if you're into Spotify, I use Google play music, but it still works there. 
Um, just everything about the show is one of those things that it's going to just build and be incredible. Uh, and if you have not watched it yet, go through the first couple of seasons as well. Uh, I enjoyed the second season more than the first season, but the first season was a great selling point. It had Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, it was really good, but it also seemed very similar to the movie where it changed things. It was important, but I, I wasn't sure exactly if they were trying to tell the, the same stories before or not. The second season takes place before that first season uh, and is actually the father of the deputy that was in the first season. Excellent, excellent show. And uh, yeah. some of the characters, some of the actresses from that show actually went on to be in Legion. So, yeah, highly recommend it. Can't can't say enough great things about it. But obviously, first episode in so far, going to wait and see what happens next. Yeah, so I, I, I was trying to remember, I think last week I said I was going to talk about MST3K, uh, The Return. And if I did, I'm sorry I lied, but I decided I'm going to join, uh, enjoy it as a weekly thing. I'm going to do each episode one at a time instead of binging. And it's partially because of the whole, I ain't got time to TV, but mainly because... I want to sit and enjoy each episode and then pr- probably what will end up happening is I will continue on by going back to the first season, which they have on Netflix as well. Uh, but the show I'm going to talk about today is one that I've enjoyed watching um, on my Sundays when I you know, have time off and when I'm not, you know, when I'm all caught up on TV shows and that's Bill Nye saves the world. Sorry, I tried to say it like he does in there all the time. Um, this is Bill Nye's return to television, um, sort of since Bill Nye the Science Guy. Um, it was pointed out, and I never saw the show, but he had another show after that was a little bit like this. But this is an interesting thing because each episode is about a different topic. Um, and what better way to start that off with than climate change? I mean, yeah, you might as well talk about abortion to a Baptist. I was going to say, something. is this a work of fiction? I don't understand. Yeah, but he... I don't got to know science, Gregor. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it's interesting because of the fact that and 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 I will I'll admit I will admit I will say here I am a Christian and you know but I do I love science science is, has always been my first love and all that and it's like I don't feel like the two are exclusive from each yeah, other. We we've talked about this a lot. We both yeah. are up to a point. Uh, I was I was raised going to Catholic school for a while and everything, and I never saw a separation or a denial of science from the yeah. the any of the churches that I attended either um because i was a guest of someone else or because i i went to the church for my own my own school and stuff it it's only seems in the last few years that that's become a thing and i don't understand it and i don't think it's even as widespread as what it appears to be because fucking internet is crazy fucking news is false uh fucking shit is just whacked a dude um but in general i think a lot of people believe that even though you might believe in a jesus you can still believe in an Isaac Newton. Some yeah. of us just, and, yeah. and then others of us play basketball and think the earth is flat. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll say it to this way. And um, 
as we get to the episodes here. Um, the first one, like I said, is talking about um, climate change. And it's cool because instead of the the kids who there were who that we had during the TV show, the original Bill Nye the Science Guy show, he has correspondence. And in the first in the first one, which is called Earth is a Hot Mess, um, he has his one of his correspondents, um, she does this report on um, you know, about global warming and the waters rising and how that affects Venice. Because a lot of people don't think, oh, water levels rise up a little bit, you know, it, okay, whatever. But a lot of people don't realize when you have a whole city that is built on a lagoon, the waters rise up, it becomes a problem. Like you have people who have booked, uh, who are own a bookstore, an antique bookstore on at that, and have their books inside of bathtubs to prevent the water from ruining the books and they talk about this ingenious and oh my god is it ingenious invention where when the tide comes in these buoys just go and stop the water they could stop three meters of water or or roughly nine feet of from high tide from a low tide to a high tide and uh stuff like that i mean You've got, um, you know, the second episode, he's talking about alternative medicine. Um, episode five, they're talking about the theory of, of life. Um, episode six, which is one of my favorite of this. So I'm, I'm roughly halfway through. Um, was him, him talking about the whole anti-vaccination thing and why it's not really, it's not really sound. And the fact that, you know, you're not only putting your kid at risk, you're not only putting yourself at risk, but you're putting other people at risk for the simple fact of, okay, you don't get the vaccine for this, for this, you know, the next flu vaccine, you get sick, it mutates. Now, everyone around you who had a flu vaccine gets sick by, because it's mutated and all that. Um, The one thing I will say uh, more to prepare people is that they have every week they have a panel on there. And at first I'm like, okay, this is going to be like, you know, like the nightly show or uh real time with Bill Maher. It's not, it's, oh, it's one-sided. It's people who there's not really any debate. It's more like, let's talk about this topic some more with other people to where it's not just Bill and I talking. And all that, and that's the one thing I wish that they would change, because it would, it seems like it would, you would have better television, and it might be a time thing because each episode is only twenty some minutes, um, but it seems like it's one of these things like you could have some debate and some intelligent debate even, with with a lot of these things. Yeah, but one thing I picked up from from Bill Nye is that at this point in time. He feels, and I don't necessarily disagree with him, sorry, that there's been too much allowed in the way of the skeptics of things like global warming and stuff, where we've given people a voice even though they haven't earned it. They have nothing to back up 
their their supposed ideas that global warming isn't happening and uh, and it's not man-made climate change and it's it's not anything to worry about and and yet they've been given the same airtime as the scientists and stuff who go no it it is here's our data here's everything we have to prove that it's happening and you're going to give that guy 20 minutes and give me 20 minutes um but he has dick all to show for it other than the fact that he just yells the tv says guy yelling in internet um (laughs) <laughs> and I, I can completely appreciate this is uh, Bill Nye's dime or Netflix's dime towards Bill Nye. Say, Bill Nye, go do your fucking Bill Nye show. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to waste the goddamn time on the bullshit. I'm bringing you the actual science. Yeah, I think and it does make sense. It, no, it, it, and, and that is true. I mean, the 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 panel part isn't a focus. A lot of it. I could see with some of them, like they talked about GMOs um, or, or genetically modified organisms. And they did a man on the street thing with people going, oh, no, I'll never eat a, eat a fucking GMO or anything like that. And yet here, some of, some of the things like you could see a a different, like, you know, having like an educated debate. Like like when you get to the um, the first episode, it seemed like they had um, more uh, with the climate change. I think it was the first episode where they had a little bit of a debate, but even then it wasn't a debate. It was people saying things one way. And then it's like, Oh, here it gets, it gets, you know, distorted and like, let's focus in on here. And it's like, all right, hold up. Or no, it was, it was episode two of the alternative medicines episode and all that. Um, But all in all, it is a good show. I highly recommend it. Um, And I think uh, as our person in chat is pointing out, uh, the Victoria's Secret model. I think that is the first. Um, that is the first uh, episode. Of the correspondent who was on there who talked about, um, who did the report on Venice, and they did talk about the, in one of the episodes, uh, uh the transpermia episode, um, which is the, life began when, back microbial bacterial came from Mars and hit and landed on the Earth and, here we are, sorry no. But yeah, so those um, those are our else views, and we will be right back with the else words. Hauntings, sky sounds, parallel universes, monster sightings, the New World Order, ghost ships, urban legends, mysterious radio broadcasts, and secret government facilities are just a few things we've talked about on Weird World Weekly. Listen to find out what's next. Go to gncasts.com slash weird to listen. Find out more and subscribe to the podcast that discusses the paranormal, mythological, conspiratorial, unexplained, or anything else we think is a little strange and out of the ordinary. Also, Matt's continuing search for turkey recipes. It's all on Weird World Weekly, part of the Galactic Netcast network of shows, also available wherever you listen to podcasts. And we are back, and it is time for the else words. This is the main discussion topic for the show, and this week it is the full details of DC's new Dark Matter line. Now, I had not really heard of this. I think I'm opening up a tab I already had opened. 
So yeah. What... So what happened is last Thursday at the Diamond Retailer Summit in Chicago, DC Comics announced five new titles encompassing the freshly announced Dark Matter line. The books will spin out of the previously announced Dark Knights. That's without a K. Dark Knights Metal event, uh, which is by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, uh, and will consist of several titles by not just different creators from DC, but a lot of big name people, a lot of the the kind of like leads at DC. And specifically what Jim Lee is saying is it's going to put an emphasis on artists, which they don't feel has been as emphasized over the last f- several years and which Marvel, and this is probably why it was made in a statement such as this, Marvel has kind of de-emphasized artists by having multiple artists work on their books. I assume DC is too because of, the bi-weekly shipping, but Marvel will do yeah. an event and not even have the same artist through the entire, not even pitch it as like they're having the same artist through the event anymore. It's just like, yeah, when we get to issue three, it's going to switch over to this person. And when we get to issue five, uh, we'll find someone to fill in then. Marvel has kind of like taken it. And when you, when you hear about some of the creators talk, they say that they write up a page and then they send it to Marvel and then Marvel sends it to artists, whoever, artist 23 or artist uh, ZX alpha. It, it's, it's a little weird because what a lot of people feel in the nostalgia era is that we used to have creative teams on a book for a long period of time. And that made a book that made a book must read. It made you stick with it. Uh, if you look at uh, Perez and Wolfman and their Titans run, or Claremont with Burn, and then later on, you know, Claremont with uh, artists after Burn, like Paul Smith, whoever. It still seemed like there was a time period where we were like, okay, this is who's doing this book, and we knew it, and and you you'd order it, and you had an understanding going in, and you followed that team more than you were just following those characters, and that's kind of gone away because what we found is that the the intellectual property is more important to these companies than the people working on the books. They kind of get slapped together like Ikea furniture. Uh, if Ikea furniture came assembled, I guess it's not really right. But it does feel a little bit like particle board as opposed to like solid wood frames and stuff and and good yeah. materials and, and workmanship going into it, a craft. Um, now it's like, yeah, just fucking like retell the last event that we did five years ago and we'll just slap a two on it and it'll it'll continue on. Whatever. Um, that's a different rant. But in this regard, Lee is talking about uh, what excites me most is the series of books takes full advantage of the talent and vision of the creative team. Uh, that's actually uh, Dan DiDio who says that. Comics are a visual medium, and with these titles, the artists are working hand-in-hand hand with the writers and shaping the look and direction of the characters. In reaffirming the craft of making comics, we brought together a master class of talent. And the, the style and tone and visual direction of these books... Uh, with the four industry giants taking the lead, I feel we can bring the power and energy expected from superhero stelli- storytelling back to the page. The other portion of this that I think is a big deal, and uh, there was an article on Bleeding Cool where they kind of asked Rob Liefeld about it, mm-hmm. is that these are new characters. For the most part, they're new properties overall. There's a couple of things that are not. Um, so... Let, let's get into the different individual titles. Well, I want to say something real quick before this, because just sort of as an aside and sort of the I am the exception that proves the rule um, and not in any way me saying I'm better than anyone else, because a lot of the books 
when I got into them, it was it, it's a, a few of them were for the writer, but a lot of them were for the team. You know, uh, Young Avengers was because of Karen uh, Karen Gillan and um, Jamie McKelvey. Um, the Batman book with Zack Snyder, sorry Scott Snyder, and uh, Greg Capullo. Um, yep. uh, Arrow, Green Arrow with um, Jeff Lemire and um, Andrea Sorrentino, who I then followed them over to Marvel with their, when they were doing the Old Man Logan story. And it quickly became this uh, Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky with Sex Criminals. Um, it quickly became one of these, I'm following both of them um both of these people as they go out to do these other things yeah but think about the what you just said uh, image has been a real key proponent of the the writer artist team and the stuff yeah. that they're making together i mean you have your your long running stuff and Capullo started out essentially as an artist on spawn for a number of years when todd was no longer mm -hmm. drawing it but for the most part you look at things like saga you look at sex criminals uh you look at chew and and they're two people uh, or you know a team of people that have been doing the book from beginning to end yeah. and that stands very differently you feel more invested i was talking about this uh, earlier today is if i when all is said and done and i have the entire uh backlog of saga on my shelf i'm going to feel very differently about that uh which is a a also, it's a story that's contained in within itself, but I'm going to yep. feel a lot different about that because of the writer and the artist doing it the whole way through than I am about a run of Nightwing or a run of Spider-Man or something where it's multiple different people. Because you might go through the phase of like, there was a point in time where Nightwing, being my favorite character, the book wasn't very good. And I kept buying it because it was fucking Nightwing. But I felt like I'm 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 spending a couple of bucks a month on this, and I'm not getting anything out of it because this guy writing it right now kind of doesn't get the character, and it it's it's a shitty thing to say, um, but realistically that's how it is. So you compare it to Preacher, you know, you compare it to Sandman is a different thing because Sandman was almost an anthology in and of itself, but it was Neil Gaiman's voice the whole way. And you knew that when he picked an artist to work on a specific storyline or a specific arc, there was a reason why he chose them. And they mm -hmm. stayed through the whole arc, you know, and they might come back for other things later on. But it made a degree of sense that that whole thing was kind of brought together by these two people. You felt the collaboration. You felt the the sharing between these two minds, uh, be, between these two essentially geniuses in a lot of cases, making something together. That's how I am when I, I write stuff with Levi in mind, is like I write stories that would only be for Levi to draw because, you know, that's what inspired me. And and when Levi has me come in and write stuff that he's done, like Balyar and everything, you know, I try to come in and treat it with the respect of what he's already established. But we have a trust together. You know, we're friends and that's how we work. If I was coming up with a storyline for my my friend Corky, who I've, I've definitely created with before, it's very different than what I would bring to Levi. And our relationship and how we create together is different. But that partnership is what's key. You know, and I wouldn't take stuff that I would do with him to someone else to do because it's it, it loses a whole measure of what made it feel real and important to me. Yeah. That's it. So, 
I, I think it's also important that what we're seeing here is that we're getting new characters. Yeah. We're getting new ideas. And why I brought up the Rob Liefeld thing is because, and, and someone asked, well, what is, why does anybody give a shit about Rob Liefeld's opinion on this? Well, because Rob Liefeld, when he was a teenager, created characters like Deadpool and Cable and Domino and holy shit, you know, here we are 20, 30 years later and those characters are in movies now and they're cutting Liefeld still huge goddamn checks every month and he's yep. getting to go at all the premieres and he's, he's getting sort of a resurgence on stuff that he created when he was a kid. But also they were still kind of considered the last original things that Marvel came up with for a long time. You know, it, and certainly the last ones to take off in the way that they have. Yeah. You know, not a lot of characters do that. And I think when you look at it, it's like we can only tell the same Batman stories so many times. And we can only tell the same Superman stories so many times. And it's like we fucked up Superman for five years with New 52. And then we had to fight all this way through Rebirth to get him back to essentially a status quo again. Because that's what the fans want. Because people don't really want a lot of change from the characters. We have an expectation of them. But when you bring in something new, that's a potential to be the next character that people love for the next 20, 30, 50 years. And so that's the question is when you get these creators together and the, the level of creators that they have on this, is that what we're going to see? Are these going to be characters that come about and we're going to love in the way of like we love uh, Kamala Khan? You know, or or the the Spider Gwen character, who's who's derivative, but still is her own thing. You know, it, is that the potential, or is one of these the next Rocket or Groot? We'll have to we'll have to find out. So we're gonna look at the creative teams on these and yeah. the, the stuff that they're doing. So let's start with Dark Knight's Metal Men. Now, like you said, this is Knight spelled as in the opposite. Dark Knight, metal, not Metal Men. Yeah, Metal. Sorry, sorry. Again, long day. Um. This is coming to us in August. This is written by Scott Snyder with art by Greg Capullo. And this is essentially the what is going to be our opening to this uh, dark matter line. Um, Because this is like everything else is going to be going through here. And I believe they talked about this at first or hinted at it at um, I think it was like Wonder Expo or uh, Dallas it was either the uh, WonderCon in Anaheim or the uh, Dallas Comic Expo or whatever it was in Dallas that was going on at the same time. One of those panels, they had talked about this and they were hitting at it. And Greg Capullo, this is my favorite. This is one of my favorite lines in here. Said he, like he he drew Batman with two axes, holding two battle axes. So this is going to be the kind of crazy stuff we're going to see in this. And all that. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Like, I remember hearing this him describe this whole thing. Like, he goes, yeah, Scott said, okay, draw Batman looking really cool and holding, you know, like maybe, you know, like like an axe. And then Greg goes, you know, you know what's cooler than one axe? Two axes. <laughs> A million axes. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, or, you know, it was, it was along those lines. So this is the first one. And this is, probably one of the safest um pairings here because they already had success with batman and and it's going to involve batman and yeah. it's it's going to be where 
the the stories kind of have a conjunction. You're going to see a lot of the characters that are going to be part of this line premiere out of this. Now that that creeps me out a little bit because it reminds me of when DC's tried to create new characters before, and we got uh, events like Bloodlines, which was a just piece of hot garbage, but it did introduce the character Hitman that Garth Men- Garth Ennis and John McRae did for a number of years, which was actually a really great book, considering the fact especially that it came from Bloodlines. Uh, it also introduced a character named Anima, uh, who had a series for at least a while, but like every other Bloodlines character just kind of came and went in that snap. It was just, wow, this is this is not good. This doesn't yeah. make any sense. I don't like... like I've had a problem with a lot of the introduction of all these Inhuman characters recently, because it makes it devalue the storylines for these characters. Like if I want to see a Miss Marvel cartoon series, then I have to involve her within humans. And I don't know that that's necessarily what I want from that character. And then if I want to do a, a kid, what is the monster kid? Kid Kaiju. Oh yeah. Kid Kaiju. Yeah. Uh, he's also an inhuman now. And, oh, look, Moon Girl's an inhuman now. And so all of these characters are all inhumans, and I don't necessarily want them to all have to be referenced to each other if I do three different films or movies about them uh, or, or TV series or cartoons or whatever about them. I don't always want to have to be tied back to, and then there was the inhumans, they were on a moon, and then the fucking Terragon mist went across the place. It's like, it just sort of, like, it's an easy in like you don't have to explain the origin too much, but I think explaining the origin gives an individuality to characters. And so if this is like every one of these people winds up getting hit with some comet made of dark metal, uh, I don't know if that's necessarily as exciting to me as them having their own things. But when I read the individual descriptions from this, they do seem to be individualized. There's only one that really references the, the metal, which I believe we've gotten somewhat of a confirmation is actually nth metal which is okay. what Hawk, Hawkman and Hawkwoman have uh, based off of the old uh, Thanagar origins where they came from space, and it's what gives them flight. It was also used in the Legion of Superheroes flight rings, and I think it's yeah. been used in some other stuff too in the DC history of the universe. Yeah, which is, which is really cool. Um, the next one is Sideways, and it's written by Dan Didio and uh, Justin Jordan with art by Kenneth uh, Rockefort. Now, this is the one... Well, this is one of two that I don't really know the artist. Um, Justin Jordan or Kenneth Rockefort? Uh, Kenneth Rockefort. Kenneth Rockefort, you absolutely know, because he was working... He's the one who designed the uh, faux Lobo, um, but he, he worked with Scott Lobdell on a lot of stuff. Like, he's got that very very pretty artwork he went to marvel for a little while um but you would recognize the style i think he's working on titans these days i'm not sure what book he's on at the moment but he yeah certainly red hood and the outlaws was what he was doing uh with scott labdell in dc's new 52 uh you would you would know his stuff yeah okay yeah yeah okay so it's probably one i didn't recognize the name sort of deal um but this is the one i think that you mentioned that is directly references um the the dark matter um forever changed by the events of dark knight metal a teenager struggles to live through high school as he comes in contact with dark matter and gains the superpower to teleport through the dark dimension but each leap brings the new hero one step closer to succumbing to the allure of his new power and its dark origins that just sounds really cool 
it sounds really like cool. A- it it sounds it's- a little bit like Cloak um, yeah. from Cloak and Dagger, and the look of the character and and the 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 listing for the character seems very Spider Man esque. Yeah, uh, which is not a bad thing at all. When they introduced Blue Beetle, the Jaime Ray's Blue Beetle, several years ago, um, pre New Fifty Two. That was exactly it. They they made DC's version of Spider-Man essentially with a, a very different origin, but you could tell that's what they're going for the the teenager who gets powers and has to struggle with them and and, and it's always like you know is he won't he kind of thing. Th- that's a great storyline to steal. It's very comic book and the design looks really good. Yeah, the next one is the Silencer. Um, and I should say uh, Sideways and The Silencer are both debuting in September. Um, the Silencer is written by Dan Ebnett with art by John Romita Jr. And I mentioned this earlier. It seems like J.R.J.R. gets to pick whatever book he wants to do. Because it's like he it's coming to D.C. He did Superman. And then it's like we didn't see him for like a quick second. And now he's doing Suicide Squad. And I'm not complaining because I do like his artwork and all that and it's just like they're they just go hey 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 john what 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 book you want to do what book you take your pick we got i mean general Peter jr's got the the pedigree that he he deserves it and it's not just because of who his dad was either it but he's he's earned it from the amount of years and experience and the the high selling books and stuff he's done yeah. i didn't necessarily like his superman the the look didn't work for me but yeah. i i think in the right book uh, his style can can do very great things. Uh, he was always great on his, his Spider-Man stuff before. He and does, since this is a book where he's job. creating the look for it, it, it'll be easier. Yeah. He does a great job in Suicide Squad with General Zod and, and Amanda Waller. Because here you have General... They, they made General Zod, and you might not like it, but he's this big, hulking mammoth of a man. And yet, and clearly you see like he out, he outsizes Amanda Waller, but yet with how, with how uh, John, uh, John Romita Jr. drew Amanda Waller, you still felt like she should kick, she could kick his ass <laughs> and all that. I, I, I like that. Yeah. I like um, my Amanda Waller to be tough as fucking nails. Yeah. So, right, so, the, was, so the quick yeah. thing with the silencer. Honor Guest was the world's deadliest assassin until she traded it all for the chance at a quote-unquote normal life in the suburbs, free from the constant death and destruction. But as her former life comes back to haunt her, Honor must strip away her suburban persona and protect her family as the silencer. Sounds a little bit Punisher. Uh, Sounds far less superhero. Uh, It could be akin to... Uh, when DC a few years ago reintroduced the character Manhunter, uh, and and that character was a mother that had a son that she was protecting, but was also like she was doing the superhero stuff because she wanted to do the superhero stuff, not really to protect her kid as much, but had a lot of good storylines with her as a parent. And as we're seeing parenting becoming an okay thing in the DC universe again, uh, in the Super Sons books in particular, it's it's good that we we get this variants of that idea and we we get to expand on a little bit more and abnett's a great writer yeah yeah abnett who oh i'm blanking on what he's writing right now uh Um, he's doing aquaman i think aquaman also he's doing titans 
yeah, he's yeah, Aquaman and Titans, which are both really good reads. Um, and he's telling such a compelling story in Aquaman, um, with this whole uh, dead water, uh, thing that they got going on right now. So good. Um, next one is Immortal Men. This one is coming in October. Um, written by James Tinian the four or the fourth, with art by Jim Lee. Um, born at the dawn of time, five siblings find that with eternal life comes eternal war. As the forces of destruction march into the modern world, they operate from the shadows, uh, recruiting the elite against the the foes who seek to bring about Armageddon. They are humankind's hope for spr- hope sprung eternal. They are the immortal men. That to me read a little bit like the A Team. A little bit, and I, I I wonder because they're they're five siblings that have eternal life. I wonder if any of them are pre-established characters, like say Vandal Savage, who's yeah. who's the long-lived character. Uh, maybe not. And and also, what is this book that Jim Lee is is doing the art for it? Like, uh, obviously, again, we're talking about people who are co-creating these things, who are making these stories together. But Jim Lee is one of the busiest people in comics is one of the heads of DC comics, uh, along with Dan Didio getting Jim Lee to draw anything. And especially to try to stay on a schedule is almost fucking impossible. Um, but if he, if it's the right project and it compels him to do it, then that's great. And I would like this to be the right project. And James Tinian has obviously been doing a lot of great stuff uh, in DC, doing stuff with the the Bat books and everything. is is and also, still also, to me a newish writer, but has has established himself in the yeah. the DC uh, family as one of their their kind of like headline and, writers. And, these and days. I'll, I'll add outside as well because like one book that I really will recommend for an all ages read is his book over at Boom Studios, The Backstagers. Um, it was limited run series that I would love to see become a regular thing just because that was a great story that they told. And boy, did I relate to that as a backstager myself. Um, not saying that the backstage is magical, but it is. Um, the next book also debuting in Oct- or in, that in October is Damage, written by Robert Venditti with art by Tony S. Daniel. Ethan Avery only wanted to serve his country, but promises of becoming the ultimate weapon leave the new recruit living a nightmare cursed with the ability to unleash an unstoppable monster for one hour at a time. Ethan only wants to live out his life in peace, but if he can tame the monster inside, it might just be able to do more good for the country than Ethan ever expected. This to me screams a little bit like, um, Hulk, a little bit like Hulk or ghost rider, especially the Robbie Reyes ghost rider with how they're doing him right now. Um, uh, the one hour thing kind of reminds me of Dial H for Hero. Yeah. Which the characters used to be limited to an hour when they would turn into something. Uh, Damage is a character name that's been used several times over in the DC universe, but the books never seem to take off. Uh, Tony S. Daniel, I want to say, did a, a beastly hulking character uh, for Image back in the day. I don't know. I could be wrong on that. I might be remembering something else. But it seems like something that he had done before, and certainly you look at his his art style and how he's drawn this character, and it it works. 
but it it does feel like we're getting a Spider-Man and we're getting a Hulk. Yeah. Um, and then the the final book from this is the New Challengers. This one is coming into in December. It is written by Scott Snyder with art by Andy Kubert. Um, characters live on borrowed time, running from death towards the greatest mysteries, wonders, and terrors of the universe. It's a new cast, new mission, but in conversation with the history and greatness of the original Challengers of the Unknown. The story starts with Challengers mounting or Challengers Mountain returning after having been missing for years and only gets wilder from there. Now, I know nothing of Challengers. Challengers of the Unknown is essentially DC's Fantastic Four. Nice. Uh, that kind of like 60s sci-fi-ish family type group. Uh, there's been a few stabs at it, but it it's it's certainly in a way that could be seen as would lend itself to the Kirby-esque type of stories and, and characters because it's kind of ripped off of it. But um, it's one of those things that every time they try to bring it back, I think they try to play the the old-timey feel, and that might be what holds be people back from it. I've always uh -huh. loved the name. I stole the name when I was a kid, and I had uh, a superhero group that was called Challengers of the Unknown. I think I had heard of it, but I didn't know what it came from. And I was just like, that's the greatest name ever. Um, but I I think Snyder having the appeal for it and and wanting to do it and having it kind of in his pocket, just waiting for the opportunity. This is this is probably the right time to do it. It is interesting because it's the only thing out of these uh, other than Dark Knight's Metal and what I'm only sort of maybe guessing possibly could happen with Immortal Men. It's the only one of these that isn't a completely new um, concept. Yeah. But it's a new version of a concept that also, again, hasn't been approached for a long time. Yeah, okay. So, quick question. Out of all six of these, which are you most excited for? <sighs> that is really hard to say. I mean, if you're going off of art, and, and just the style of it, and, and maybe even what the storyline is, Sideways seems more like a character that I would be into, you know, because he, he's the young guy. He, he probably seems the most grounded to me. For having yeah. a, a supernatural power, it just seems like he's, he's more of the relatable character for me. Uh, after that, it would probably be New Challengers, uh, because, like I said, I, I have some affection for the original and I'd, I'd like to see what Snyder, being Snyder, what he could do with it. And then out of the other new concepts, Silencer is probably the third one. Not even necessarily for the creative team, but just because, again, uh, a, a woman that's trying to protect her family from her hidden past is something that I can instantly jump into. Um, but they all look pretty good. Nothing here is like, oh, that just looks like, garbage or anything because it, you can't not with these teams not with these creators they're, they're all stellar creators they're all top of their game one thing that has been noted is that no women in any of the creative teams at this time uh, but I think that that is something that they have in the works these are not all the titles that are going to come from the dark matter line this is just the initial lineup of these and I'd wonder if some of them are maybe not even ongoing series uh, because, again, 
someone like Jim Lee, I don't know, can stay on that kind of schedule for very long. Uh, unless he sacrifices his spot and gives it to somebody else to take over, which sort of ruins the idea of having creative team working in tandem together. Um, it may be that this is something that is the the jumping off point and the Dark Metal line grows much in the way that Gerard Way's line has grown from being the initial titles that we first saw uh, to some other things getting added down the road. Yeah. All right. Well, that, I think that is going to wrap it up here for us. And you guys can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966 or emailing us mail at com. All subscription options and links can be found over at uh, gncast.com slash subscribe. You could find our Facebook page over at facebook.com slash galactic netcasts. And you can follow the show and the network over on Twitter at elsnerds at galactic netcasts. And our producers at Beatmaster80 at Mr. Underscore Fusion. I could be found at that Gregor. Corey, where could people find all the things that you are doing? You know what? I'm not even going to talk about me right now. I'm going to talk about my friend and cohort over at Podcast of Terror, Matt Stein. Matt Stein was on this week's episode of 90s Percentile with our very good friends, uh, Dan, uh, Dan Muhal and Jack McCone. And you should definitely check out his show I or that show, their show with Matt on it. It's sure to be a great time. Also, a friend of the network, Phil Rude, who is over on Blazing Caribou and does sketching comedy and Rokebot Mountain, was on this past Friday's episode of Current Geek, uh, which yeah, I was getting to listen to on the way home. Bunch of yeah, I'm the... just... Of the, of the Blazing Caribou stuff? Yeah. As he should. He yeah. absolutely should. Blazing Caribou is great people. And I was just, I just wanted to say, since Current Geek is one of my favorite shows anyways, and since Phil Root is such an excellent dude, I wanted to say, hey, check out those two podcasts. Check out 90s Percentile from WeStudios.com and check out Current Geek from Frog Pants. Yes. And the final thing to be said is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you next week. Or else I'll drop another podcast. How many have I mentioned so far? Five? Well, that's Six. a lot. Ten? Ten?